Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. We're here to bring you episode two of season two today. And we are going to be covering, as you may have saw from our Instagram post preview, uh, Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. And this is something that Chase and I are really excited about because it's like a Marvel affiliate. It's still kind of Sony at the same time. So we're kind of getting the best of both worlds of like a, a Disney production, but also with like the more you know dark side of Sony. So um, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this one today. I was able to get into the theater and actually take notes on my phone as I was watching. It was very difficult, but uh, I'm really excited to share what we got with you today. I'll turn it over to Chase and let him... Uh, and say what's up, and then we'll get rolling into it. Venom, never know what him. Venom, I'm stoked, man. I would be happy to eat Mrs. Chen. <laughs> yeah, I'm stoked, man. Uh, this is a good one, um, especially because you know I'm a big uh, Spider-Man fan in the Marvel Universe, so it kind of has some relation to that. We'll get into that much later in the show. Um, but yeah, it's going to be cool, especially the way we break down uh, these kind of uh, one-shot, I would say, like one-shot episodes for these movies is uh, Jay Nelly's going to break down like the main events in the movie, and then we're going to really dive into some of the big debates on this show and, and some of our predictions for where this universe we see going in the future. Because, you know, Marvel is becoming so big now. I, it's, if you go back uh, 10 years ago, before all this started with Sony and Marvel and all this stuff, all we really had was, uh, you know, Tobey Maguire, I guess, kind of set the scene with the original, like, Venom coming out and that sort of thing. And now uh, they've all expanded into such this one big universe. If you go back that far, uh, no one, I don't think, would have ever saw this coming, especially people being able to work out things with contracts and, and that sort of thing. But I'm stoked for it, man. And, uh, you know what's nice is we get to jump back into that whole Marvel universe, this Marvel, Sony, Marvel, everything, and we know you guys love that. Uh, the first episode we had in season one, the MCU, just the rankings, was one of our top episodes for almost a year. So uh, pretty cool. We love you guys. Love that. And um, uh, by the way, too, Jane Nelly set up some really cool stuff. So on our TikTok and Instagram, as you've seen, of course, we have our brand name, which is Ridiculous Patronus. But now, just so it's a little bit more focused, uh, so this way you can see both sides of things. So on the Ridiculous Patronus side, you'll be able to see pretty much anything involving fantasy. If you wanted to ask us a question, for instance, about Harry Potter from the past, we're not going to say no. We'll answer your question on there and we'll put it on there. But now uh, Jay Nelly has actually set up a Instagram for our Factor Fantasy page, just Factor Fantasy now, and our Factor Fantasy TikTok, which we'll be just putting on there, things relating to our show that we're covering during that time, which is going to be nice. You want to go into that for a, for a bit, Jay Nelly? Yeah, for sure. And one more thing I wanted to say, too. The, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, that was like 20 years ago, not 10. So just, uh, yeah. that, that's, that's taking it really far back, because that was like, what, 2002, 2003? And we're in almost 2022 now, right? Um, but outside of that, yeah, I created an Instagram account just for anything Factor Fantasy related. And it doesn't have to be just what we're covering in the moments there. It's just there won't be anything outside of it. Like, I know sometimes on our Ridiculous Patrona side, we put in some of the cool 
collections that we have that may not be exactly fantasy fiction, may kind of more pull an anime and maybe some other things like from the side, where this Factor Fantasy Instagram and the Factor Fantasy TikTok is going to be solely things that we cover or have covered on this specific show that you guys have been listening to um, for the past year and a half going on two years. So that's just really kind of what that's about. And I will tell you that, you know, you guys can follow it at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. And it's the same on Instagram as it is on TikTok. So that is where you can find us on there. It's a brand new uh, platform for us in terms of, you know, there's no content on it right now. We're just getting started with it. So it's going to be interesting to build it from ground zero all over again, but just focused on things that we cover on this show. So yeah, man, I mean, outside of that, do you think we just jump on in? Yeah, man, let's get a malice in the chalice and get it going, brother. Cheers. You guys can see Cheers. if you can't see because, uh, you know, we were talking about this last week as well. Actually, let me go into that for a second. Um, you know, if you didn't catch our, like, say of the Union episode that we put out last week, we're going to be focused on uh, debates more so. We added a new card as well, so I'm not going to go over that because we're going to use it. But this is going to be kind of how we're going to structure our episodes going forward is that it's not going to be so many random debates where we're in the middle of going through our topic and all of a sudden we're just like, they throw, pull, throw a debate card. We're actually going to have a section for a debate so that way we can kind of, like Chase had mentioned, keep it focused. And so that way we have an actual section for the debates. So we don't have to worry about getting back on track and not going off in tangents because hopefully the idea with this is that we'll have as much time as we need to cover the debates in their entirety so we don't feel rushed with it. So that is going to be kind of what we're going to do go forward. And obviously, I had to mention that because we have another Malice in the Chalice just coming up and that other card that uh, I have hidden underneath here. So if you're looking on YouTube, uh, you might not be able to find it yet because I'm going to do small clips of our biggest moments. It's not going to be something that we post the full episodes on like we had done in Season 1. But to kind of set the scene for you, uh, just listening on audio... I have a mason jar, and that is what I'm using for our beverages today. And Chase, I believe, has his Spider-Man <laughs> cup, which is very uh, themed for what we're going to be tackling today. So uh, I love it, man. Let's kind of get into it. So I did want to give a quick synopsis, because what I ended up doing is I wanted to make sure that we all have a preface of what happened before. So I actually watched the first Venom on my laptop, and I took short notes on that just to list it through so that way it can kind of set the scene and go into where we are at with Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. So to kind of give us a little synopsis here, I'll start here with Venom 1, the one that was made in 2018, not the original one way back whenever, but the, uh, the other one with Tom Hardy and the Venom 1 here. So the first thing I kind of notated there is like the symbiotes, they can heal wounds, right? You saw that big like crash, the space crash, and the symbiotes come out and they grab that old lady and she... Uh, not the old lady, the woman there, and she like, had her her leg sticking out of her bone because of the crash, and it like, ended up healing it. So we got to see like these symbiotes are able to do extraterrestrial things like that. And you know the the main guy, his name's Eddie. His boss wanted him to kind of play like the good soldier and not dig into Mr. Drake's space rocket crash. But Eddie, you know, he's gonna do his own thing. He wants to do what's right, and you know ends up gonna you know bite him in the ass. So he actually ends up pressing Mr. Drake about the wrongful death claims, and he ends up getting fired. And on top of that, he got his wife fired because she had the emails that he like snuck into and snooped around in, and so she left him too. So now he's got no job, he's got no wife, and his life's kind of spiraling. So we kind of go back into what the symbiotes, they kind of defend themselves. It's its own weapon. They can form its body into deadly objects and protect itself from bullets and all that. It's really cool what these things are able to do. 
And yeah, but one thing we do learn about them is they can change from people to people upon contact, but they need to bond with a host to survive in an oxygen-rich environment. So they can't just be you know crawling around Earth like in their regular form. Um, from there, we get to see like Mr. Drake kind of pushes the trials to see if they can get a good match between the symbiotes and the hosts or the humans, I guess I could say. Um, but yeah, so anyways, th then it kind of goes into where Eddie is all shaken up about what's going on in his life. And we see that one bad guy that shakes down Mrs. Chang, you know, kind of robs her at gunpoint. I'm not sure if it was like a robbery thing or it's like, hey, like this is like for having a, a shop on our block, this is the tax you got to pay up type of thing. I'm not sure which one it was. But uh, anyways, so that's going to be like a little foreshadow of what happened later on in the show, kind of where it ended out, I should say movie. But yeah, then we get the first trial of a symbiote on a human and it doesn't work and it kills a human subject. That like tall, skinny guy with the, the, the long hair. Uh, and then this is where it kind of shakes up Mr. Drake's assistant. Right, like that, that lady, she was really kind of shooken up. So she goes to find Eddie and tells him of the crimes and says, you know, you were right about everything. He is involved in a lot of nonsense. Like, you really need to show this to the public so it can be stopped. Um, so I guess her name was Dr. Skirth. But anyway, she takes Eddie to the lab and he sees everything for himself and he starts taking those pictures on his phone. And he had this like homeless friend named Maria. She was infected with the symbiote and so he broke her out of that whole chamber that they kept her in. But then the host transferred from, like, Maria into Eddie and ended up killing his homeless friend. But that's how we kind of get started with Eddie and the symbiote that's a part of his body. Right? So now he's got all these new abilities. But one thing I noticed what the symbiote does once it latches onto a host, it makes Eddie uncontrollably hungry and thirsty, right? Um, then we go into where his ex-wife is kind of brought back into the picture. We see that she's got this new doctor boyfriend and they run an MRI on Eddie and the symbiote goes crazy. And it like kind of like, like in a vibration thing changes from Bevan's face to Eddie's face because it has the electromagnetic stuff and we start to see things that can harm the symbiotes, right? So the electromagnetic sound waves, it can only go by a certain frequency. Um, so sounds in a certain range harm the symbiote. And what I found it was kind of cool too, and this is something we'll probably talk about when we get right into to Venom 2, let there be carnage, because right now we're still in Venom 1, is that it's very comical. Like this symbiote talking back to Eddie, making like little quick jabs. To me, Venom has kind of become the Deadpool of Sony slash Marvel. It's very, very interesting how uh, that uh, kind of puts it together, and that's how I kind of see it. It's this very comical, funny humor, and like quick jabs. I, I liked it. But anyways, uh, so Mr. Drake's Hitman go to Eddie's place to get the symbiote back, and we see how well it can defend itself through Eddie, like, as its host. Like, you know, like I said, it, like, blocks all these bullets. It changes into different objects, knocks them all around, and, you know, this is Eddie, who's, like, a, a journalist reporter. You know, he was ex-military, but, you know, he's not going to be able to have all these abilities. The symbiote is really... You know, taking over and taking control of parts of his body and what he's able to do. And so, uh, I did thought it was kind of cool when they had the whole chase at the very end. They thought they got away, then the car smashes his bike and he's like laying broken, his like body is in weird angles on the ground. And uh, all of a sudden you see how well that this symbiote can really do its job and how fast it can do it. It brought him all the way back to regular self. <laughs> it was it was pretty amazing. Um, but then we find out that one of the other symbiotes that had uh, they had brought back from space, one that didn't escape, right? There was two that escaped. There's the one that's in Eddie right now and the one in the very beginning that I was talking about with the woman who healed it. And so that one's still gone as of now. But the other symbiote died in Mr. Drink's office without a host because it killed the host. And in an oxygen-rich environment, it died. So Eddie 
what he does is he actually tries to break into his old boss's building and leaves the evidence on the old boss's desks and writes a letter telling him to do the right thing with the evidence he found in Mr. Drake's you know scientific lab, whatever you want to call it, his compound, and puts the phone on there with all the uh, evidence relating to it. So then we learn two things actually are able to harm these symbiotes. It's the high-pitched frequency and fire. Those are two things that are harmful to it, and Venom himself says it. Um, so the, the original Lost Symbiote actually finds Mr. Drake here, and it's the uh, symbiote that bonded with Mr. Drake, its name was Riot. So Riot bonded with Mr. Drake, and now they're looking for Venom too, because it wants to kind of take over everything, right? Like Riot himself says, there are millions more, millions of more symbiotes that will follow where he leads. So he's like a lead symbiote. Um, but Venom bonded with Eddie's ex and saved him, then rebonded with Eddie. That was like when they kind of all found him and they circled around him. They're about to like do the whole <laughs> gunfire thing, and then she shows up in Venom's like garb, but you can see it's like a more feminine build. And then like she kisses him, but it transfers. Venom into back into Eddie and um, yeah so then Eddie's girlfriend like like Eddie and uh, Venom fight Riot and Drake and Eddie's ex-girlfriend uses the high frequency to separate the joint symbiotes and that's when Eddie gets stabbed and he's about to die but Venom reforms with him heals his body and they, they continue their fight this is Venom versus Riot and Venom said like right from the beginning Riot is this is like a lead symbiote he's way stronger than i am but you know together they were able to kind of come up with a cool little plan on the spot and they blow up the rocket with riot in it and obviously fire kills symbiotes so mr drake and riot die as they were trying to escape because the fire you know blew up the whole thing um so then as eddie's like falling venom saves him from the fire but it sacrifices itself then we kind of have this whole thing where it's like oh shoot venom's gone but then plot twist, we find out while he's talking with Annie, which is his ex-wife or ex-girlfriend, I'm not sure which one it was, but uh, he's still in Eddie, so Venom still has survived. And we have this like kind of full circle moment when they go back into Mrs. Chang's uh, store, the gangster shaking down the Asian lady again, Mrs. Chang, and uh, Venom comes out of Eddie and eats him. So I thought that was a pretty cool full circle from the very beginning where he goes in and shakes her down. But uh, then we have the after credit scene, and this is what kind of is going to lead us in to Venom 2 Let There Be Carnage, is when uh, there's this prisoner that requests to talk to Eddie, and we see, and it's, uh, it's a, a famous actor that we all know, Woody Harrelson, and he, uh, he requests to talk to Eddie to tell him where the other victims are that he's killed because he's a serial killer. And the last line he says, and I quoted it, he said, When I get out of here, and I will... There's going to be carnage. And so that was the whole end of that to transfer to where we're at today with Venom 2. So that is kind of a quick synopsis of everything that happened in Venom 1 to kind of give you guys a, a like little platform of events that will lead into what happens here in Venom 2. Because that guy, at the very end, Woody Harrelson's character, he is going to play the main character, the antagonist in Venom 2. So... To go into Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage now, I'm going to go ahead and kind of do the same sort of deal um, where I'll read through it. But first, before I do that, I just want to ask Chase, like, did you have anything that you wanted to add to Venom 1 or anything that kind of stuck out with, for you in Venom 1 that you think would be important for people to know before I jump into Venom 2 and what I have in the uh, summary notes for that? No, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. I mean, when Venom 1 came out, they gave it a lot of shit because uh, the girl that got eaten and then the scientist, the 
really good looking scientist woman she said like symbiote so, so many people gave it so much of a hard time that it's actually a symbiote but no you hit the nail on the head man uh riot was pretty much a beast and uh yeah woody harrelson you'll go into this in a minute but he plays cletus cassidy down to a t which in the comics he's known as the most heinous serial killer of all time so i'll let you go ahead and take it from there man cool so jumping right into them to talking about cletus cassidy we see two people in this asylum it's called saint estes so like an asylum and reform school and they end up taking this girl this is like uh, it's a flashback it's not present day it's a flashback we see cletus cassidy and we see his girl francis and they take this girl francis away because she's too strong and she has this ability and you know not to uh you know get anything away but she shrieks <laughs> and things happen so uh, i'll say that but anyways uh, that's her superpower um, but she, what ended up happening is as they took her away, she used that as superpower, and the van tips over, and there's this cop with like the name on his badge that says uh, Mulligan, and he shoots her in the eye. Like, like, so at this point in time, that girl Frances, we all think she's dead right there, but she's actually not. She gets taken to this new home. They put on a sound, they have to put like on soundproof earmuffs to be anywhere near her, and now she's got this. It's obviously, it's not a glass eye. I don't know what it is, but it's not her real eye because obviously, you know, that cop shot her in the eye. So it's like, and then that's going to come up later in this uh, movie as well, talking about that eye. And so to go from there, um, Cletus Cassidy, Woody Harrelson, he's getting this death sentence. That is the new thing. Like he was going to be put to death for all of his crimes. Um, and that, that was kind of like a, like a breaking news type of deal. And it's funny because we were left off, and he looks kind of different from Venom 1 into Venom 2. Like, he was, like, all long hair, straggly, curly, and now he doesn't look exactly the same. He looks a little bit different. And so we start to think, like, where did that conversation happen? So that was just an initial conversation, and then it's going to move into a little bit of where this is going to go from here. But before that happens, when when Eddie and Cletus Cassidy have their second conversation... We start to see like a little bit of a foreshadow of what's to come here because Venom and Eddie are having this little power struggle between each other. They're like arguing with each other a lot. And it's going to come up into play later on. But I just want to mention that because that's where we had first seen it before uh, Eddie goes to San Quentin, which is the prison where Cletus Cassidy is, uh, you know, behind bars, right? And Cletus wants a message out to the world and he promises to lay all the secrets bare. And so. Cletus gets the message to so basically it's like a haiku. I didn't write down the whole haiku because I wanted to save you know part of that for the later on thing that uh, happens at the very end. Um, but anyways, he write, he like says this uh, this haiku. It's a rhyming poem basically, and it's a message though. It's a message to Francis, and it's going to be really interesting what ends up happening. So now, as they start to leave, they look in Cletus's room because he doesn't actually tell anything, but he like looks into his room, and what's really cool about this, it's almost like having like a photographic memory. Uh, they see all the carvings and stones. So when they get back to like the loft of where Eddie and Venom live, uh, and keep in mind, you know, Venom is inside of Eddie. It's not like they're two separate people; they're together. But like sometimes Venom, what he'll do is he'll come out of Eddie's body and like show face to face, and they'll have conversations with each other. And sometimes they argue with each other just inside Eddie's head, right? So, anyways, Venom recreates all of Cletus' stone writings for Eddie and tries to get him to interpret them. And so by doing that, they come to this conclusion that they find this island in California where all the bodies are buried. And so now Eddie is now the celebrated, reborn journalist, like back on top, 
of where he was before. Like before, like he, he you know, he got Mr. Drake. They, you know, he got his dues for that. But then years have passed, and nothing else great has kind of happened for him. It, you know, so this is this is his new big break. Um, but yeah, so now we start to see like Venom is feeling restricted, and he wants human brains. He wants to eat people, and the whole deal between. Eddie and Venom is that hey you're going to eat these chickens because you know we don't we can't have you you know leaving bodies all over the place and people are going to get suspicious X Y Z plus you know it, it's hard to determine who's a good guy who's a bad guy and even when they go to the prison Venom wanted to eat the people and, and Eddie's like we don't know who's innocent like who's got like falsely accused like we can't take the chance here and all that stuff but you're, you're starting to see like it's start the contention starting to build up like they're starting to get really kind of agitated with each other. Um, and now to add to it, his ex-wife or fiance or girlfriend Annie, she wants to meet. And during that meeting, we learn that Annie is actually getting married to Dr. Dan. So I, it's actually crazy because after that conversation, he left, and Venom's like, "Cry, make yourself cry." <laughs> he like, wouldn't do it, <laughs> but like he like 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 you know, got like red eyed and put his helmet on, and then he went crazy on his motorcycle in the rain. He was I I even put down here like. He was a little bit suicidal because he tried to go head on into the track. He's like, what, what's it matter? Like, you're just going to be able to heal me. So we went straight for it. And, like, Venom, like, sorted off to the side. But we start to see this emotion from Eddie of how much he really cared about Annie and, like, how his whole life's in shambles now because she's marrying somebody else and she's, like, the love of his life. So, and it's funny now because Venom is trying to play caretaker and you can see how much of a disarray he left his apartment in. Everything's strewn over everywhere and Venom's trying to, you know, make him breakfast, play music, keep his spirits up. And you can even see it has <laughs> uh, you know, all the things of the symbiote coming out of its body, doing all these types of things you know, to the left, right, front, back, and <laughs> trying to do so much. And he's not doing really good at anything, but he's trying. And I appreciated, like, the effort. And, you know, Eddie just obviously was inconsolable, but... Then they receive this postcard from Cletus, and what it is, it's an invitation for them to go witness his death penalty. And this is where it gets really interesting, because uh, I, I, I always think it was funny that he said a specific um, line here about how we're both the same, we've got twisted insides, it was like a foreshadow of what was about to happen. So as I said, he's like, you know, Cletus is like playing with Cassidy, saying that they, ate, uh, they both have twisted insides, and Cletus wishes Eddie heartbreak and for him to live out his life alone, which is going to be a trigger because obviously he just learned that Annie's getting married, right? So this like that's a big trigger and that's going to kind of come to a head here. Uh, and, and like they ended up talking about his family in the past. Uh, you know, Cletus was just trying to push and push and push and try to get uh, a reaction out of Eddie. And finally Venom inside of Eddie like ran up to like they got up to the, the, uh, the bars and they try to, to get to him, but obviously they couldn't, and the prison guard tries to pull him back, but not before Cletus bit Eddie and got some blood in his mouth. And then he said something along the lines of, like, I've tasted blood before, Eddie, and there's something else in there. <laughs> like, so that's another kind of foreshadow of what that ended up kind of going on there. But there was actually a bit of a symbiote, uh, symbiote from Eddie's blood that came onto Cletus from when, like, you know, he had that little, uh, if you guys are looking at me, I'm, I'm uh, holding my lip right now because there was blood in the corner of his lip. And then he touched that blood and you start to see a little tentacle. So the symbiote, the part of the symbiote actually transferred over to Cletus and that is going to play a huge role in what comes up from there. So then they get back to their apartment, right? And Venom and Eddie are arguing with each other about what they want in life. 
Venom reminds him that he has immensely helped, helped Eddie this whole time, and Eddie's saying that he wants to live alone without Venom, so they finally come to this uh, huge fight. Like, they fight each other, which is interesting because they're inside of each other. And uh, basically... Uh, you know, I don't have to go into it because that was a cool action scene. We got to see all these amazing things happen on screen. You can go and watch it. But the, the end-all, be-all of what happens after that fight is they part ways. You know, Venom jumps down onto the person that was, like, looking up and ends up, you know, forming with that host. And um, I think it was, like, out of spite. It was almost like a like an ex-girlfriend or an ex-boyfriend who's angry at the situation. He destroys Eddie's bike. And Eddie's bike is, like, the only thing Eddie really has left, right? <laughs> like, that's the only thing. He right. just, he lost his uh, ex-wife or ex fiance or ex-girlfriend to Dr. Dan, who's going to get married to her. You know, he, he just lost Venom, and now Venom just destroyed his bike. So, he's not in a great thing. But now, that kind of bleeds up to, like, an issue I have, and we'll talk about it later on. And this is one of the few things I was like, hmm, there's got to be some sort of, I don't know if it's a plot hole or something that just wasn't explained fully, but I'll talk about it later on. But then, like, we see... We go for the death penalty for Cletus. We're there at San Quentin. Cletus gets injected with the poisons for the death penalty. But the piece of the symbiote he got from Eddie's blood, it, like, stopped <laughs> the transfusion and, like, basically busted them all out of it. And, you, and I loved the visuals on this. It was all smoke. And you couldn't see anything. But you saw bodies flying. And you didn't know what was going on. And the warden's, like, is, is freaking out, not knowing what's going on. And then all of a sudden you see, for the first time on screen carnage and he looks badass like what a great job they did with the cgi effects on that with the visuals he looked amazing i have to say but uh yeah basically carnage destroys the prison kills and eats the warden and cletus cassidy escapes and so then all of a sudden that detective that's been giving eddie a hard time about saying don't do things so like don't cut me out don't make me look like an idiot eddie like he shows up to eddie's apartment and he thinks that you know, Cletus Cassidy is going to go after Eddie since Eddie's the one who basically put him on death row. Um, but Eddie figures out actually from the recording and a drawing that Cletus has a connection to St. Estes. And so it's like almost like a chess battle now of what's happening. Like who's going to get where first and who's going to figure out where the other one is because they're kind of hunting for each other in a way. And, with, and then there's also in, in the back of your mind, you got to remember there's this Francis character that we saw at the very beginning that, you know, we don't know where this is going to go. So, um, then this is the part that Chase and I had, I had talked to Chase about this earlier. Like, Venom goes to this rave, and, you know, it's, it's just super funny. He's got all the, uh, the glow sticks on around his neck, and everyone's dressed up, so they think Venom is just, you know, someone that's, like, a guy in a suit. But <laughs> they don't really realize, you know, who he is. And he ends up giving this really hilarious speech about loving yourself or who you are and all that. So I thought that was just really, really funny. And um, you can actually interpret that in a couple ways, too, which I think is really cool. They leave it open to interpretation. But then we kind of see where Cletus Cassidy steals this really nice red car. And he's starting to figure out the, like, the symbiote or Carnage's abilities. You know, he sticks his finger in the ignition and turns it and all of a sudden it starts <laughs> the car. And he's starting to kind of gain some level of control. Which is kind of funny because almost another problem that I have too. It took Eddie a whole lot longer to figure out uh, how to really function with his symbiote. And they are a, a great match which will come into play later on in this movie as well. So um, the, the detective knows the initials because what ends up happening is Eddie ends up going to St. Estes, and he sees initials carved into a tree and a heart. And it's Cletus Cassidy and, you know, FB, 
is the is the initials and the the fb stands for francis barrison and the reason the detective knows this and this is a big full circle moment is because he's the original detective that shot her in the eye when they took her from that place all those years ago so beautiful beautiful full circle moment but uh we get to this part where cletus kills the cashier and plugs into the web and finds out where they're keeping francis and so cletus arrives and kills the person running the facility releases francis and they escape i, I actually wrote down this too as well like they're, they're kind of equally crazy and they're actually really perfect for each other honestly because what's he he shows her like what his new abilities with carnage He's like i've got a secret baby i hope like don't freak out and then it shows him you know with carnage wrapping around her little cell and she, instead of freaking out, like, oh my gosh, what happened to my man? She's like, that's hot, baby! <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. So they're absolutely a perfect match. But it's, it's going to come up into a problem later on. Because we start seeing, they go to escape uh, this the place where they were keeping Francis. And they have the car, they obviously the, the security there and the police chasing them. And Carnage is doing all these crazy things with the, the abilities that it has. But eventually what ends up happening is she tries to use out her superpower that she hasn't been able to use in a long time and she screams and she does that screech and this is a problem though for carnage because the symbiote one of the symbiote's weaknesses are high frequency noises and this is going to come up really big later on and so eddie realized kind of what happened and how cletus escaped because he's <laughs> they start seeing all the things that were done there and he kind of puts the pieces of the puzzle together so what ends, up, what ends up happening is he finds Annie and tells her everything and gives her the job of finding Venom. So Venom, uh, you know, it was it was funny because he ended up going into Mrs. Chang's uh, store as one of the random people and it collapsed. And Mrs. Chang realized it was Venom and you can see her kind of caressing the, the guy's head as, you know, Venom leaves that body, right? But... Uh, so they like Annie and Dr. Dan go <laughs> to see Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Chang. And what ends up happening, and the funny part is, is how you know where Venom was. If I, this is something that happened in, in Venom 1. Venom 1 <laughs> called Eddie a pussy on the elevator. So this time, Venom called Dr. Dan a pussy. And, Annie, and at, that, at that point, Eddie's like, Hey, Mrs. Chang, you got Venom inside you. So that's where uh, <laughs> Venom was the whole time. He was in Mrs. Uh, Chang. And, um, yeah, he. what she ends up doing, though, is it's funny. She manipulates Venom. She's like talks about how, how hot it was for him to like transform and be the hero and savior and like and all this just to kind of trick him into going with them and saving Eddie. And, so, and actually stopping Carnage is actually the real, the whole end-all, be-all in this situation. Um so then this 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 is really cool because this is where we get a reference from another piece of work we talk about that we we, we see all three together carnage had kind of come out the way that venom does and shows its face to um cletus cassidy and francis barrison and they're talking about how they're all going to get married and how there's going to be one for each of them for carnage it's going to be its father venom and for cletus cassidy it's going to be Eddie Brock because Eddie was the one who put him on death row and for Francis it's going to be that cop that shot her and then they even make the funny re reference he's like it's going to be a red wedding and shout out I, to I our, love that yeah right <laughs> so shout out to our boys over at uh, Game of Thrones and you know they got their little uh, they got a little reference there from Sony so I thought that was pretty cool um, but then we get to this part where they're in this alley 
and Eddie needs Venom to come out of Annie, and then Venom's just being, you know, needs this apology, just being a total, you know, ass, just to mess with him, and it's like, no, he's like, no, you hurt my feelings, I'm not going, no, <laughs> he's not sincere, <laughs> it was like arguing inside Eddie's head with her while why Eddie's first apology wasn't good enough and all that, but... He made he literally made Eddie apologize in the right tone, and like I said, this is this is what really reminds me of almost like the Deadpool of Marvel is that you know that's something that you know Deadpool would do, you know, just make someone apologize in the right way before he did anything for him. But <laughs> anyways, uh, it ends up going Venom transfers in to Eddie, so now we got Eddie and Venom back together. Heck yeah! And then we have this part there where. Uh, he like leans into the car and like tells Doctor Dan, I forget what he says to him, but he slaps him in the face. <laughs> and like Venom slaps him in the face just because obviously they they both love Annie, you know, because Eddie loves Annie and Venom is a part of Eddie, so he re- he also reciprocates strong feelings for things that Eddie feels strongly about. And so I thought that was funny. But anyways, uh, the detective finds Cletus and sees what Carnage is, and uh, but basically he like what Cletus tells. The detective, Detective Mulligan, is Shriek will be so pleased. So now we now we know a couple things, right? Number one, Shriek is Francis Barrison, so that is one of the other supervillains in the universe of the old comics. We now know for a fact, like it was obviously already like foreshadowed from the beginning, but now he said the words Shriek will be so pleased. So now we know Francis Barrison is Shriek, right? So on top of that. We have the first person captured of the three that need the three. So the te- detective's caught. Um, Shriek herself, she finds, she goes to Eddie's apartment, finds a picture of uh, Annie, and is going to use her as bait. So basically, the proposal that Shriek gives Dr. Dan is that they're going to swap Venom for Annie. And then they get to this the, the little altar, right? We got we're kind of going towards the end of the movie now. We're at this altar. We got <laughs> we got this uh, reverend that's you know performing the services out of nowhere, and it's just freaky as it is. It's like there's no one there. All the seats and the pews are all covered in plastic wrap. It just looks real eerie and creepy. So I, again, great job on the visuals. Amazing for what it was. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, Cletus has the detective. Kind of wrapped up by by one of his the you know, Carnage's symbiote abilities and has him like wrapped up behind the altar, so that's where they are. Venom disrupts the wedding, but here's a really interesting part there. Like when Carnage comes out, Venom doesn't want to fight his own creation. He literally says, "Oh, that's a red one. Nope, we're not fighting." And I, what I thought was really cool here is we had another sort of reference, if you guys kind of took it that way, to Infinity War where. Bruce Banner and the Hulk, like the Hulk wouldn't come out when it was time to fight. And so like what happened is like Venom really shrank back into Eddie and like Eddie had to talk him out of it. He's like, listen, you can eat all the bad people here. And then the guy's like, what about the priest? He's like, no, not the priest. <laughs> but like everyone else, like, like you can eat everybody else here, but like you got to come out. And so like at least we didn't have a whole Hulk situation where Atlantis is the whole movie, right? But I just thought it was a cool another slight small reference, little Easter egg that they put in there. I think it was very easy to miss if you didn't pay attention to it. But anyways, they end up getting Venom out of there. And uh, I thought it was funny. <laughs> like, but when at that point, though, one of the funniest things that Venom did, and again, this is why I say it's like the Deadpool of this universe, is that um, <laughs> when he decides, he's like, oh, that's a red one. Oh, okay, guys, uh, happy wedding. Like he, wanted, he, like, he wished them a happy wedding and wanted <laughs> to leave. So I thought that was funny. But anyways, uh, 
we they start the, the the very end scene battle. We got this huge battle going on. It's really cool visually. We got to see some good choreograph, like, you know, some good choreography, um, some cool visuals of how things look. You know, the symbiotes themselves flying out, doing cool things. Uh, but you know, it starts coming down to where uh, this this was going to become a problem, and we knew this from the beginning when Shriek originally when they escaped from uh, the place they were holding her, and she used her abilities that it hurt Carnage. Well. Uh, Shriek does it again to try to, you know, turn the tide for the fight, but it hurts both, you know, Venom and Carnage. And Carnage actually strikes Shriek for screaming and and hurting him. And now Carnage and Shriek are fighting, and Cletus is is kind of conflicted, right? Because that's the love of his life, and he's yelling, "You're like, no, you don't hurt her!" Like, like you know, and Carnage, is, it, you can start to see there's not a, a a unison between Cletus and Carnage. It's almost like they are. They're both sadistic and murderous, but they're not. They don't have a common goal. And on top of that, like, he, Carnage doesn't give a shit about Shriek, and that's all that Cletus Cassidy cares about is Shriek. So, I thought this was pretty cool too. Doctor Dan comes in big with the fire. So Doctor yeah. Dan threw some fire out there and really kind of helped helped out uh, uh, everything in its in its uh, total total there. But then we have this uh, this thing happens where the, the the clock strikes a certain hour and then this bell tolls. And the symbiotes are paralyzed, and now Cletus and Eddie are outside of the symbiotes fighting one on one. And then what's kind of cool here is we get this backstory, and Cletus explains his broken childhood to Eddie, and he's like, you know, he's like, you're a bad, it's bad journalism, Eddie. You didn't get the full story, and so, but it was cool because we kind of see almost why uh, Cletus Cassidy was the way he was. You know, his father beat him, like. Uh, like his mother and grandmother died at a young age and all these things happened like like all because all the way that he was treated by all these people and so it's almost like a you know how regular serial if you guys ever watched a serial killer documentary you get inside the mind of a serial killer and a lot of them have you know really bad trauma from childhood where you know bad things happen to them and this is exactly the case with cletus cassidy um but then we see what, what ends up happening this is why i say it comes up full circle talking about that eye that shriek has is because she pins down the detective, and she says, you know the old saying, eye for an eye. And she actually kills the detective at that point. The detective's dead. And I'll say that, I'll put that pause in that, but like from what we see there on screen, the, de- the detective was dead. Stabbed him, killed him, that was it. Then we go back to like um, Carnage, and he has Annie hostage, and tells uh, Eddie that you're going to watch her die. Uh, then <laughs> Carnage attacks Shriek again, and Cletus and Carnage are arguing amongst themselves. And what, what we actually figure out, and this is like what was yelled down to them, that like Carnage and Cletus are not a match, but uh, Eddie and Venom are a match. They are a, a perfect unison of each other. And so that they're going to start now using, because obviously he's no match for them power for power. Carnage is much stronger than Venom. So we have this, this thing now that we've got to basically play smarter, not harder. Because we're not going to beat them at their game. We've got to show them that us together in, in totality is better than what they have in just brute strength and, and, and like their brutal nature, I guess I can say. So what ends up happening is Venom knocks Shriek off the tower. She screams and both symbiotes get removed and they fall. The bell crushes Shriek, so Shriek's dead. We see the synchronization though and how much of a match Venom and Eddie are because we see... What ends up happening is like we have got Dr. Dan, we've got Annie. What ends up happening is Venom flows through Dr. Dan, 
goes through to Annie and hits back into Eddie by the time Eddie falls onto the ground from that huge height that they fell from. And that did not, you know, obviously Cletus and Carnage did not. They fell separately from each other. And what ends up happening is Venom eats the Carnage symbiote. So Carnage is gone. And then we have Venom eating Cletus's head off, which, you know, full circle, he gets the human brains he wants. Um, but something interesting that we do see is the detective, I put this in quotations, he comes back alive and says the words, just one word he says, monsters. But he has got like glowing blue eyes, very similar to, you know, Game of Thrones where they have the White Walkers, you know, and they come back alive. So it's very interesting, like, what happened there? We didn't really see anything. All we saw was Shriek kill him, but, like, how is he coming back and where do these blue eyes come from? But now we got basically uh, Venom and Eddie are fugitives on the run. Uh, they end up kind of doing another full circle thing because Venom said, I want to put my toes in the sand way, way back in the beginning of this movie. And Eddie argued, he was like, you don't have toes. But it was cool because now they're on this beach side. Venom actually has, like, took over Eddie's legs and feet and actually has Venom's own toes in the sand. So it was funny how they did that. And then, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're back together. They love each other again. And basically, uh, Venom says, everyone has a past. Uh, then this is like this is going back until like, now they're in this hotel room and they like Venom was about to show Eddie about the past that he has from all the years that he's been around in like the galaxy which would have been huge because we got to see where these symbiotes come from what ended up happening to how they got where they were to where they are here and maybe we could have seen you know certain characters that may come into play later on then all of a sudden as he's about to kind of take him through a flashback to the past we have this crazy like jerky thing happen and all of a sudden, they aren't. They are in the same place where they were, but now it's like a nice luxury place. Like before, it was kind of like a rundown, like motel-looking thing. And all of a sudden, like like the world kind of like the the pan, the screen pans and shakes. And all of a sudden, they're in this nice like resort-style thing. And then we see on the screen, like you know, this is all Peter Parker's fault. And because I, I, I don't want to talk about exactly here, because I want to go into it when we get past this here. But basically, Venom looks at the screen looks at um, Peter Parker and like licks the screen and then that was like the end credit there like the, like the after credits so that was kind of a you know a, an elongated summary of all the big main key points of what happened in Venom 2 you know obviously I couldn't really do justice to the action scenes and all the crazy things that happened and where things dropped from and how they got hit and how Venom was basically left for dead you, you could see obviously if you guys go and watch it that Venom you know pound for pound and a straight fight was no match for Carnage. Carnage was whooping that ass. <laughs> that's what that's what was happening. And then that, that that's why like, I just you know kind of panned into like, hey, they had to you know come up with a plan because it ended up being that you could see the confliction between Cleus Cassidy and Carnage when it came to Shriek. Like Carnage just wanted to shriek the hell out of there, and Cleus like that's that's my whole life right there. She's the whole reason I still like draw breath and what I was trying to like work for my whole life is you know being with her. And you can see the confliction there. And then obviously that confliction was their undoing and why Venom and Eddie were able to come out on top. So I know that was kind of long-winded. I know that was a whole run through there. But uh, give me your thoughts on that, Chase, and for Venom 2. And if there's anything that you wanted to add to that before we kind of get into some of the cool debates that we're going to go through. Yeah, I thought this movie was okay. <laughs> I thought it was all right. Uh, could have been a lot better in my opinion, but I did think I do think Tom Hardy does really well playing Eddie Brock. Um, 
One thing a lot of people probably didn't notice. So if you look closely in the film, you'll see how Venom basically overtakes Eddie. So he comes over Eddie's head, just like in the original one in the first Venom, where he's like, we are Venom. Or like you've seen in this one, uh, it's a little bit different with Carnage, like especially when he says, like, we are Carnage. So instead of coming over like Carnage, because you've seen he ate that part of the symbiote, this is actually straight out of the comics, because I was really impressed with the way this movie was. It followed the comic identical. Like, it was pretty much identical. Well, um, not really, but, like, there are certain parts that followed really well. <laughs> uh, it was pretty damn close. But even to this point of it, he basically dissolves into Carnage. It doesn't go over his head or anything, because that's straight out of the comic. One thing I didn't like, I thought it was okay. Like, I don't have a problem with it. Um, the comedic effect. Like, there was so much damn comedy in this thing. I was about to throw something at the screen. Like, I, I do think it's cool. Like, I guess, like, the relationship between Eddie and Venom. But in the comics, like, Venom is one of the most heinous villains of all time. However, like, I'm okay with it. Because they're trying to bring in more of that aspect to try to make Venom a good guy, which is good. Um, so I'm, I'm all right with it. There's definitely a difference in between him and Deadpool, I would say, because Deadpool is definitely a lot more sarcastic. So it'll be interesting how if Deadpool starts coming into the MCU, now that everything's starting to converge a little bit, if that ever comes into play. But um, I thought it was okay. I thought the fight scene was very... Um, you said declimactic not a word. <laughs> uh, downplayed, I would An say. Yeah, it's anticlimactic. <laughs> anticlimactic. But, like, didn't they get hit with, like, that bell, like, fell from the top and, like, yeah. all that shit happened? I, I just felt like it was very downplayed because especially who Carnage is in the MCU, he's known as... There's only one other symbiote that's worse than Carnage. And um, I'll talk about that in, in a minute when we go into like debates and stuff. But Carnage is supposed to be really like the most badass there is. And I felt like this fight scene was like 10 minutes because of the whole Shriek thing, which I thought Shriek was cool. I would have liked to see her more in like if they kind of teased a costume or something. Like I thought that would have been cool. Overall, I, th I thought it was okay. I mean, uh, I would rate it probably a five. Give it a five. Solid five for me. Borderline 4.55. What about you? How would you rate this thing? I really like the movie. I, I you know, and usually I'm someone that is very, uh, very tough on the, on the scale. I liked it. I give it somewhere around like you know 6.87. Uh, I thought I, I enjoyed the comedy and I thought he was just as sarcastic and had little quips it was very similar to Deadpool in my opinion you guys can draw your own opinions from that but I enjoyed it and I, I, I love the visuals of what Carnage looked like yeah the only thing I would say is that the last action scene didn't last as long as it maybe could have and what was really tough too and, and, and it was not I didn't do the greatest job of explaining it because I'm not going to be able to you know fight like, break down every single thing that happened in the battle scene but basically what you saw is that what we needed to see. Venom was no match for Carnage 
when they were in an actual fight. Like, he was doing them things that kept stabbing Venom through the chest and hard. Like, you could see he was, like, on his last legs. Venom was just about done and dead before, you know, they got they got uh, lucky with that bell toll and, um, and all that. But, yeah, man, I, I thought that overall the movie was too good, too, because it showed a good uh, depiction of what it would be like to have something else living inside of you and how... You know, you, you can't live two lives at the same time and expect it to be, like, peaceful. And I had that conflict, and they broke apart from each other. And how, you know, both their lives away from each other weren't the weren't as glamorous as they thought it would be. You know, and then them bringing in, like, the love interest and how she's getting married to somebody else. And, and, and in that way, she was almost the one that kind of brought Venom and Eddie back together, still kind of keeping her out there as well in terms of someone that could be brought back into Eddie's life maybe down the road. I, w- I was really impressed with the movie overall. I really enjoyed everything with it. Um, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. Got to see, you know, some darkness there. Uh, you got to see what happens when, you know, symbiotes merge with other people. And, and then this is another debate. I'll leave it for the debate part here, what I, what I have on that. But overall, dude, I thought it was awesome. The only thing I would say, and what I wish, like, there's a couple problems I have as well, too. Like, they made it very, very um, apparent and the first Venom, that not every host is a match, and they were going through trials, and these people were dying, but now apparently in Venom 2, like, they can just go in and out of people, and it's not really a problem, like, Mrs. Chen's, Chang's fine, apparently, even though Venom <laughs> was, there's no way that he can be a perfect match for all these people, or else it wouldn't have been such a big thing from the first one about having the trials, so that's something I had a problem with, is that, you know, what happened to needing to be a perfect match, you know, before the human would just die out, and then on top of that, Another thing I had a problem with, and this is just me being nitpicky, is like when they go into this random store where he kills the cashier and he just logs on to a random computer and somehow can access where like the top secret government is keeping Francis Barrison. Like, like that's not gonna happen, right? <laughs> You're not gonna right, find yeah. that from a regular gas station, you know, corner convenience store laptop, and all of a sudden you can hack into whatever just because you have like tentacles on the end of your fingers. Like that, that is something that bothered me. But you know there there's a few issues like you know small things like that overall that they, they wasn't it wasn't consistent across the storyline, but overall I liked the movie I really enjoyed it I like I think Tom Hardy is a phenomenal actor I love most of the movies he's in uh, I think Woody Harrelson did a great job of portraying Cleus Cassidy like they did everything they needed to do to to really do it justice in terms of the like the backstory and where things led to but yes the actual fight itself you know it could have been prolonged and it could have uh it could have done some more with it but i that that was the only issue that i really had were the things i just mentioned and the fact that the the fight wasn't as long or drawn out or as intense as maybe it could have been but i think that they're really trying to draw instead of you know like the power sequence and who is the top dog type of thing i really think they were trying to draw like like the power of like building relationships and being a good match and you know those were the things that they were trying to pull on versus just a regular who's a stronger and who's a weaker you know being so I'm, I, I didn't have a problem with it so like for me if I'm going to rate it 6.8 or a 7 out of 10 that's my own opinion that's solid cool so I mean I do have a couple debates here that I'm going to throw out so this is this is from I've got two debates here and I've got some things that are, are big takeaways that I have, so to speak. So what I'll do here is we're going to go ahead and play uh, our great debate card now, which is going to be, 
I have them all flipped underneath here, but I uh, flipped it up. <laughs> Playing the great debate card, guys. My first debate that I'm going to do with Chase right now is this is something I'm going to kind of give the whole the whole situation, and we're gonna I'm going to ask him what he thinks about it, and I'm going to give my answer and response, and that's how we're gonna we're gonna do this. So my thing is, Riot from the first Venom movie was what they called a lead symbiote, and as such was much more powerful than Venom, and this was actually expressed by Venom himself, if you go back and watch the first movie. Carnage was just a small piece of Venom from a small amount of blood that Cletus drew from Eddie by biting him. So if Carnage was just a small split off of Venom, and Venom himself was weaker as a whole in comparison to the first symbiote, Riot, how was Carnage so much more powerful than either Venom or Riot? The whole idea behind it is that's where I think this movie really fucked up. Like this movie fucked up horribly. And here's the problem is so if you know me, like I'm a big comic guy. So like I know these comics like the back of my hand. Like Carnage, yes, like he's a piece of venom, but that's not exactly how it happened. Um, it is true. That's, like, that's why I was saying him. that it doesn't really follow the comics like that closely. When you were saying it the, followed it to a T, I was like, I don't know, man. Well, <laughs> what happens in the comics is because he's merged with a serial killer, it goes haywire. So it takes like that side effect of that Cletus Cassidy being a serial killer that basically he doesn't, he can't. The symbiote, unlike Venom, how Venom can reason with different things, it doesn't reason. So it just goes nuts. So it keeps expanding and expanding. So in the comics, Carnage is like the size of an entire football stadium. Like he's massive. Like he, there's a point in the comics where he entirely engulfs Venom. That's where you see like these famous covers from like Tyler Kirkman and the old classic covers that Stanley did and stuff of of carnage just being massive and and he's even like has this face just like the face in the movie where he says like uh, we are carnage like in the old classic covers he has the big face and then there's some covers where venom's like he's encaptured venom and venom's like super small because that the fact is in the comics the way it is is the reason he's so much more powerful than venom isn't the fact he came from venom it's because he's attached to a serial killer so it can't reason, so it keeps expanding with the serial killer blood. So, like, it doesn't stop because Cletus has no control at all. Like, Cletus is there, but he basically has no control at all of the symbiote, so it just keeps growing. It's basically just using his body as a parasite. In verse, in Venom, as you've seen, which I did like this part at the movie, I, I did like the fact that it showed um their relationship more i wasn't as big on the comedic effect but i thought it was funny um but it showed the fact how venom can reason to an extent with eddie brock in the comics which i think the movie should have showed a lot more is cletus cassidy has no control whatsoever he's basically just a body because he's a until the point he gets that symbiote and is about to be killed the symbiote just takes him over. That's why they did that whole dissolve thing, because it was a tribute to the comics, because there was nothing that Cletus had any say over. There was no going... I mean, Shriek is in it, don't get me wrong, but there was no thought in his mind of, like, I'm going to get Shriek because she's my girlfriend, like, all this shit. He basically becomes an insane monster, and it keeps growing. 
that's why he's so much more powerful in the comics. So that's where I think they really fucked this up. Now, as far as the film goes, you're entirely right. Like, there's no reason he should have been more powerful than Venom at that point. Because Cletus still had reason. Like, why the fuck does Cletus have any reason when this thing is overtaking his body? Like, it's supposed to be that he basically has... It's almost like a parasite that keeps growing that he has no control over. So Cletus shouldn't have any say whatsoever at this so point. So what's your what's your final like depiction on why Carnage is so much more powerful than Venom or Riot? Because I wanted to bring Riot into this as well because that because they made a point to say in the movie, especially the first one, that mm-hmm. Riot was a lead symbiote. Like that's a difference between a lead symbiote and other symbiotes. So Be- why, like f- final answer, like why is Carnage so much more powerful than either? The final answer is because Riot was originally established as a military symbiote. Just like when you go back to the first one, when Venom says, he's got shit you can't even think of. He's got shit you've never seen before. Because it's true, like, Riot was known for all the weapons, how he can turn his symbiotes into, like, weapons and axes and all that shit. Um, So he was initially supposed to be a lead symbiote, just like you're saying, more powerful than those two. But the way it was supposed to be is Carnage kept growing. So eventually he would be looked at as more powerful than Riot because Riot is just on a sustained level. He can't grow anymore. And that's my answer to that. All right. My, my answer to this is, is a little bit different because, like, at the end of the day, you can only grow so much from one single human body, right? Like, like it, it just as muscle confusion or whatever it may be like there's still only so much you can derive from one specific human body and so as a symbiote itself you know that's what the whole thing talking about just like the you know the blubber green or not mm-hmm. i say green blob but the red blob that it was like it doesn't that, that to me it doesn't really answer why like the blob itself was more powerful than the either the blob leader so i i, I got a couple of things that i I have an idea of. I don't know if I'm right or not. This again, this is just my opinions. This isn't me doing any sort of you know research. But I will say that the few theories I have is because Carnage is supposed to have come from Venom. Venom is Carnage's father, as is it said in the movie. Uh, well, usually new evolutions of things are usually stronger than the previous form. You know, examples like Pokemon, like the new evolution of Pokemon, Charizard, uh, Charmander's, or, yeah, Charmeleon is stronger than Charmander, and then Charizard is stronger than Charmeleon, right? And then kind of like Super Saiyans as well, like there's a base level Super Saiyan, and as you, you know, the evolutions go on, they get stronger. So I would say that would be a part of it. New evolutions of things usually are stronger than their original form. Second, and this is something, again, this is way off of my mind, I don't know if this has any sort of, like, real uh, true fact to it or not, but Blood is a sacred and powerful substance, right? So when Cletus bit Eddie's, like bit Eddie and drew blood, that blood was mixed with a symbiote, kind of making it a combination of two powerful substances, which could help explain why Carnage was red as well, like the color, because it was mixed with like black and blood, so it can kind of give that really reddish tint to it that we saw. Um, but and then the third one, and again, this might be a stretch, but. At the time of the bite, Venom and Eddie were like at peak match, right? They had an understanding of what each other were good for. Eddie helped suppress Venom's bloodlust, and Venom brought Eddie back up from nothing. So they were at their strongest, most balanced point. And so the piece that Cletus got was basically a perfectly synchronized symbiote, making Carnage stronger as well, too. It's like you got a piece of the best, 
right? Now again, that that's just a stretch. That might be a stretch, but it's the only couple. Those are the only three things I could really think of as to why Carnage would be stronger than than Venom or Riot, because if Venom is just a, a standard symbiote, a piece of a standard symbiote shouldn't be stronger than Riot, a lead symbiote, you know, from the first movie. But those are the two, like those are the three things I could think of. Evolutions are usually stronger, you know, as they go down the line, you know. Uh, blood, it could be a very, you know, if you saw any any sort of fantasy fiction comic type of uh, production or, you know, literature that's put out always talks about how blood is a powerful substance. Always. Like all the, like, magicians and stuff. Like, remember Game of Thrones, Melisandre using blood? Like, blood is very powerful. And that mixed with, you know, a strong symbiote and venom itself, those two substances together may have made Carnage stronger. Then again, they were at that peak match that I was talking about, and he got a piece of the peak match, and maybe that is why. Uh, it could help lead to why Carnage ended up being more powerful. Those are the three things that I came up with. Again, I don't have any backstory on that. That's just like out of my own self-reasoning on my brain. But what do you think about that before we go into the second one? Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying. My, I, I think it. I think that's a very interesting idea. My issue is you have to, if you want to relate it in movie perspective for what they showed, it goes back into the fact of Eddie Brock was trying to reason with Venom just like he was trying to get him to only eat chickens. If you go back to the comics, what they should have showed more in this film, which is why I have problems with it, is Cletus Cassidy, once he broke out of jail, was murdering all these people. So he was letting Carnage bite the heads off all these people, which kept him growing more powerful, which eventually made him more powerful than Venom, because Venom gains power by eating these things' brains, (laughs) which is Eddie Brock was trying to get him you know to which i thought was great about this film was their relationship and connection he was trying to get him to be more human-like whereas carnage basically winds up taking all control so he gains so much more power that's why he to answer your question he's looked at as more powerful than riot because riot was on a sustained level until venom beat him we didn't see riot very much we just knew he was a lead symbiote that was a master of the military arts is all we knew so that would be my answer for that because they should have showed more of like once and they showed it a little bit in the film you know once they broke out and him and shriek had that car what really happens is they what you got to keep this in perspective for what you can show on film but it was really supposed to be more like Hannibal fucking Lecter. Like they came out there and murdered all these fuckers. And that's how Carnage got to be so powerful. That would have explained more. Or you could have at least showed things in like maybe some newspaper clippings, like Cletus Cassidy kills people here. I think they did well in the jail scene by that. But that's why I guess it's implied that Carnage is supposed to be more powerful than Riot. In gotcha. My Cool. Then let's move into the the second one because I like it. I think we both gave answers, we gave reasonings behind our answers, and that's exactly what what that section this section is for. And so the second debate that I have is like, what do you think makes certain symbiotes good or evil? Um, <laughs> I don't think any symbiote is good, <laughs> but I think what makes them better better than the others is the ability to reason which they showed in here which venom does really well with eddie brock but you see he was still trying to bite the heads off things which you can say that's natural selection but at the same time 
unfortunately, and I don't want to bring in anything from the outside, but if you go back to the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, which I'm not a fan of the Spider-Man movie because I thought it got absolutely absurd at one point, but Spider-Man 3, <laughs> like when fucking Tobey Maguire's walking down the street snapping his fingers, he took the symbiote suit that eventually became Venom that took over his body. That did nothing good. Long story short is I don't think any symbiote is good. I just think the difference between what makes some being able to be manageable is the relationship with the host that they have. Because just like you mentioned, not every symbiote can connect to any host. Just like we saw in this film where people were just dying when Venom would jump into them. Um, and I, I think that's what sets them apart. So, and you got to have a really strong host to be able to do that. What are your thoughts? Honestly, it's right along in the same mindset as you. For here, what I what I wrote down on my end was that I think all symbiotes start off with a primal instinct to kill and destroy. But I think that the more time it spends with its host, the nature of the person rubs off on the symbiote as it adapts to its new environment. Since it spends all day, every day, in close contact with the person and their conscious. So I guess the only evidence I have to support the claim is that in Venom 1, Venom initially tells Eddie that symbiotes want to take over and conquer Earth, but as he spends more time with Eddie, who's like a good-natured person, Venom himself seems to become a better individual in terms of controlling his murderous urges, where Carnage is the exact opposite. He latched onto a violent serial killer and just wreaked havoc and death and destruction without restraint. So that's, yeah, I, honestly, I think that we're on the same uh, wavelength there. And so that is kind of the debates that I had. Did you have any other debates before we go to our takeaways, especially going into the uh, um, uh, after credit scene? Did you have any other debates that you wanted to throw out? No, because my great debate is about the after credit scene. Oh, great. <laughs> so I'll Fantastic. save it for then. Yeah. <clears throat> Perfect. So what I'll say is like my other takeaways here, uh, I... The, the, I already mentioned them here, but I just want to—I want to put them in a section here because I think they're cool. The, the references to outside works, right? I think they did a, an easy-to-miss reference or or homage to Infinity War when Bruce Banner couldn't get the Hulk to come out and fight when Venom showed up at Cletus and Francis's wedding and saw Carnage for the first time. He's like, "Nope, that's a red one. We're not fighting that." <laughs> and then yeah. went back inside Eddie's body, and uh, Eddie basically had to bribe him with the promise that Venom could eat the bad guys, and then also the the red wedding reference as well too. So that's one of the takeaways I had that I thought was really cool, like almost like an interesting fact, I guess I could you know put out there. Yeah. And then I have another takeaway about the after credit scene. And I don't know if I should go through this takeaway or let you do your debate about it. Uh, because I think if I go through this, it may in turn answer some of the debate and I don't want to take away from your thunder there. So I'll turn it over to you. Let's talk about the after credit scene. Um, so the after credit scene, what I'll say, uh, so I'm playing the great debate card because <laughs> we're going to play this every episode. Yes. Power levels over 9,000. Uh, what I will say, so here's my debate on this. I so it has been actually shown and it has been publicized, uh, publicized, <laughs> publicized, publicized. Uh, Tom Hardy has had a picture. Of course, you can't see anything in suits or anything, but he has been photographed on set of what was Spider-Man Three, and only two photos have come out, just him in a hat sitting there. So thoughts are that he will be in the next Spider-Man film based on what we've seen in this post-credit scene. We will be covering that film on Factor Fantasy here when it comes out. <laughs> um, as far as 
do you think he's going to play a major role? I think it's just going to be a cameo and it's going to be more focused on the Sinister Six. But my debate is, do you think that Venom is going to wind up playing a role in the MCU or not? Yes. Uh, my answer to that is I do think he's going to play a role in the MCU. And, and my thought process is we're going to see... I, I think it's going to be a quick cameo. Either... And these are my two thought processes. It's going to be one of two things. Either it's going to be... I think they're both going to be at the very, very end of whatever Spider-Man 3 ends up being. The very end. Either we're going to see, maybe from an after-credits thing, like, like I don't know, Peter Parker like walking down the street after maybe you know, saving every the day and everything, everything is kind of back to a whatever normal state. And then we're going to see like maybe Venom look at him from a distance and he finally found his target in Spider-Man. I think it's going to be something like that. Or they're going to come face to face and it's going to cut and that's going to be it. Like, like that's going to be the movie. Like yeah. they, like he's going to be walking around and all of a sudden Venom's going to step out in front of him and he's going to be, then you're going to see Venom eye to eye with Spider-Man and then it's just, the movie's just going to cut. Like so, those are the two, my two thoughts that it might be. I don't think he's going to play a major role in this the new Spider movie, mm-hmm. but I think he's going to make a cameo, and it's going to be at the very end, and it's going to be something like a like a cliffhanger, like a teaser, and that's what I think. What about you? Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think it's the same. I think uh, you know, as much as it would be badass to say like Venom is the sixth <laughs> Sinister Six, right? I, I don't think it's going to happen. You have too much going on right now. You already have. Um, William Defoe coming back as Green Goblin from the Sam Raimi films. That's going to bring in a whole crowd reaction by itself. You've seen in the trailer now, uh, which Jay Nelly didn't want to watch the trailer, but he was forced to <laughs> when he saw this movie. Um, now, you know, you have the original Doc Ock coming in, and, and they've actually said Jamie Foxx is going to be Electro. So you have all the original ones, and with the rumors we've heard about the multiverse, I'll just leave it at that. I think there's too much going on. I think you're right. Like, I think at the very end, that's where we're going to get that cutscene, and he's made his way there. And keep in mind, Venom right now, we don't know exactly where he's at. It looked like he was in fucking Hawaii or some shit, and he's got to get all the way to fucking New York, man. Like, that's a long-ass ways. So I think that's probably what's going to happen. However, I will say, so as far as him playing a role in MCU that's tough to say i don't think that's really gonna happen as much i think here's what i believe because uh there's been contracts that have been signed for spider-man for mcu for two more films so we know spider-man 3 is coming out that's one and then you have one more which they think is going to be like that next like avengers 4 or whatever the fuck you want to call it (laughs) at that point like avengers 4 right um but until then, I think this is where, uh, with this multiverse idea, I think he's getting sucked more into the Sony multiverse. And what's going to happen over there is then you're going to have Spider-Man face off against Venom, and he doesn't get back to where he's at in present-day New York until later, until that Avengers 4 film. So I think that's what very well could be happening uh, but yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I don't think, unfortunately, as much as I want to get my hopes up that Tom Hardy would be like that big badass villain, um, I think you have too much going on right now. And, I also uh, with that. Oh, yeah. Hold on, I want to continue that before you toss that over to the shadow realm. Uh, I, I, I almost, in a way, disagree with you just from the standpoint that you actually put this out earlier in this episode, talking about how they're almost trying to make Venom 
uh, not a bad guy. It's like he's kind of mm-hmm. be like a good guy. And so I actually think he's going to play a major role in the MCU coming up because I think his his nature as like the villain is going to change to being uh, a, an important part of maybe another, like you said, another big Avengers where they've got this next big bad that comes in and they're going to need all hands on deck and Venom may come in as a, as a player for the good side. You know, very much like, you know, if we relate it to, you know, I know we don't do anime on this show, but related to Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> where, like, where, like, Vegeta was, like, the main bad guy, but then ended up yeah. joining the good guys. Like, I think it might be, like, just because Tom Hardy's so marketable as an actor, I think, and, and then you've already seen, they take liberties in terms of, they don't just follow the comics, you know, by, to the T, that it, they have, they take their liberties with the storylines and stuff, so I think, you know, he could play a major role in Marvel coming down, but I think it'd be more towards him you know leaving any sort of uh villain nature and more turning towards like he'll still have like that dark nature to him but he'll be fighting for the good guys when the next thanos comes around you know the next big whatever whoever that may be um so that is my thought process is because he already said it themselves they almost trying to make it seem like venom's not a villain where in the comics he was a heinous villain (laughs) villain but like so which uh, that's an interesting thought you said and i like that idea because there's actually a thing which I'm a big comic book guy and you can see Marvel's kind of still going in their own way like just like the Game of Thrones show it doesn't mean they necessarily follow the books exact but one thing that's actually a thing in the comics now is they have what's called Savage Avengers and they basically form their own team and what's interesting is it involved Venom as being the lead guy almost like Spider-Man and then the other two ones were the Punisher and Daredevil so and a rumor for what could possibly be happening for spider-man 3 is as you've seen i actually point put it on our ridiculous patronus TikTok uh for what's possibly an easter egg the spider-man trailers there and then circled and highlighted you can see is as he's walking past people uh going into be questioned for things that happened in the previous film with mysterio is uh the crowd is calling him devil in disguise so the rumor is that they're trying to bring in Charlie Cox that was in the Netflix series of Daredevil into this. So if that ever happened down the road and you had like your own Savage Avengers too, that would be pretty sick. So, And I like it. I like where they're going with the Venom. I like this new take on it because especially to do a Venom standalone, you can't have a heinous villain <laughs> be the protagonist. It just wouldn't work. Uh, but yeah, I, I love it, man. I gotta agree with you 100%. Uh, with that, the great debate card goes off into the shadow realm, man. That's awesome because I'm gonna play the tipsy gypsy card, oh my and I God. need you to fill up that <laughs> drink. We're done with and that take shit. it down. Better fill up that drink because we got one more thing that I want to talk about for the end credit scene. I'm gonna give my piece on it, but I want you to be all disoriented by the time you oh give your gosh. response to it. So you know what I did last week. <laughs> when we filmed after he played that fucking tipsy gypsy card I fell asleep for four hours and then I'm gonna have to work out here at my house instead of going over to LA Fitness because I'm not taking an Uber to LA Fitness do you know how weird that would look <laughs> walking to the gym dude Ubers to fucking LA Fitness must be out of your damn mind <laughs> can this guy even lift up dumbbells he is so fucked up right now <laughs> oh my god you better Fine, see that gotta... away better put oh it down my gosh i hate you right now absolutely and for those you. who missed our first uh you better start drinking that too so oh, that fine. way it gives uh, some time now to so, see that drink away boys see 100%. that drink away 
for those that didn't listen to our, our uh, season two premiere last week, we introduced a new card, the Tipsy Gypsy card. And while Chase is chugging this down, I'll read it out to you. You may play the Tipsy Gypsy card at any time during the podcast. The podcast host who plays the Tipsy Gypsy card forces the other host to pour a full drink, then rapidly consume the entire beverage before answering the current topic. Each host may play the Tipsy Gypsy card once per podcast episode. <sighs> And did you finish that? Or are you still going? No, I'm still working on it. Luckily, uh, you this is take wine. that down, baby. Let's go. <laughs> so I'm not going to gain any weight off of it. <laughs> man, oh, this is brutal. This is brutal. Oh, man. This is like those car bomb shots. Hey, we do enough talking, more drinking, sir. <laughs> Entertain the crowd while I drown my sorrow here. You better hit that thing all the way gone. You know, you get to speak until that thing's gone. <laughs> Oh man, I'm gonna be I'm doing the slurring words. I'm about to turn into a symbiote right fucking now. <laughs> yeah. The good news is, is that we only got this last part left before we head out for the day. So that I, I made Fuck it this easy guy. on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Entertain the crowd. It's taking me a second. Oh man, it's still <laughs> yeah. going. That's good stuff. So. I will say that while Chase is, uh, you know, babysitting over there, getting oh paid uh, double time. You're talking a turvis <laughs> full of wine. I wouldn't exactly say babysitting. <laughs> you know what's funny is we were talking about this this weekend, just as we were shooting the shit, Jay Nelly and I. For us, like a tame night is everyone's night where they get wrecked. But enough talking, Chase. Finish that oh. damn drink. So that way we get to our next debate here. Or not debate, but I say the next uh topic that I want to talk about because I I think this really helps me put this into perspective more about what I saw on the uh, after credits scene so I will um, we'll jump into that as soon as uh, you want to finish that bad boy up give me some time give me some time give me some time here we go here we go okay I'm about to see that drink away everyone ready I see it Uh, five four three two one see that drink away See that drink away all the way. See that drink away. See that drink away all the way. See that drink away. See that drink away. Hey! I wasn't proud of it, but I did. You did it. You got it done. I'm proud Ooh, of that you. That was nasty. <laughs> that was gross. Gross? I... Okay, fine. What's your question? It's not a question. Spill it's it. more, more so long like I have this theory, and I want to get your take on my theory. So, as Chase said earlier, I don't like to watch movie trailers. I like to go into everything blind. Unfortunately, with me watching Venom 2, I was forced to watch the Spider-Man 3 trailer uh, for the first time. And I wasn't happy that I had to watch it. But at the same point in time, it helped me think a little bit about this end credit scene that I saw. So, obviously the multiverse is something that they had said the word multiverse in the trailer. And then, again... At the very end in this after credit scene. So, what I think is happening and how they're going to make Venom become an opposition or a villain of Spider-Man as I think it's based all out of this misunderstanding that they saw on the screen. All right, And the reason I say this is that I think Venom becomes Superman's villain because in the after credits we see the rundown hotel get multiversed into a new luxury room. And the broadcast on TV said it was all Peter Parker's fault. Which what that does, it paints Peter Parker, also known as Spider-Man, as a bad guy. 
And as we know, so, you know, Eddie and Venom's rule is Venom can only eat the heads of bad guys. And so right now, Venom thinks Spider-Man is a bad guy because of how the media showed him on the screen. So I think it's a genius way, and it almost in a way shows how like dangerous the media can actually be without having all the facts. All Venom sees is how Peter Parker is responsible for everything that just happened, and it's his fault. So because of that, now Venom thinks Peter Parker's a bad guy, and Eddie and Venom's rule is, hey, we can kill and eat bad guys. And I think that's how they're going to put him as a villain of Spider-Man. What do you think? I like it. I like the idea. Um, almost, my only thing is then that's coming really close to Carnage because it's like he can't be controlled. He would have to find some reason. This is tough to think about because here's the catch. Is what if Eddie Brock is able to reason with him so then he winds up becoming uh, on the side of the Avengers, right? Because Eddie Brock is able to say, you know, we can't be doing this. This isn't right. Well, I think that well, the thing is, like, remember, it's Eddie's rules. Like, we only eat bad guys. And even Eddie himself. Because remember, Eddie's in the media. So Eddie's going to kind of take the side of what the media portrays. And right now, the media is portraying... Spider-Man is a bad guy. So in Eddie and Venom's mind, yeah, that, that's fair game. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 like, yeah, yeah that, that's fair game for both of them. Oh, shoot, this yeah. is a bad guy. He's responsible for all the stuff that just happened right now, this whole shift in like this paradigm. Like, this is a bad guy. Let's go get him. And I think that's like what Eddie and Venom would be thinking because that's what they saw on TV. Like, this is the person responsible for all of this. So now they're like, oh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, that's a bad guy. Bad guys are fair game. Let's go get his ass. It very well could be. Uh, and then, you know, that would be a great way to do it. And I got to say, that is a very great way to do it because it shows that they both have that protagonist side, but you're bringing it to a climactic, this climax battle that's never, ever seen before happen. Um, it's very, you know, and I love Tom Holland. Like, Tom Holland is my favorite spider-man honestly but i can't see him beating venom like i just don't see a fucking way like iron man yes i could see iron man like beating venom like robert downey jr like he has that intellect and don't get me wrong like peter parker is my boy but i don't know if peter parker is there yet like that's the problem like you people keep forgetting he's just now starting to go to college like eddie brock uh has been in the real world in the professional world as a journalist and he's now enveloped with this symbiote that has this out of space and, knowledge. and he's like an ex-military veteran too yeah like i i just don't see how it's even possible but I gotta say that when that movie comes out, it's gonna be a movie for the ages. Like it, it will break box office records um, because of the way they brought out Venom. Like that whole Spider-Man three shit was bullshit. Like sorry, get that fucking shit out of here. It's like they made the whole fucking movie, and someone was like, "What about Sandman?" Uh, no, <laughs> never again, never again. But uh, I, I think that's a great way to do it. I have to agree with you because the only other way I could see it even going down is if say Eddie Brock wasn't able to control Venom anymore or something like that happened and I just don't see that happening based on this film especially with the relationship they have um, and, and 
you know that's a uh, you you drive a hard argument with that i'll play the tipsy gypsy card <laughs> yeah two can play at that game son uncle nelly go ahead and down that drink and pull pour a full cup sir because i want to hear your take on this how about this i want to hear your take all right well, I if, gotta chug this down here, so uh, I'll let you chug it and then I'll chug, ask me, yeah, the question. Yeah, exactly. Let me chug it and then ask it, so that way I'm a little disoriented. As you guys can see, if you're looking, I've got a full mason jar of the good old uh, Sauvignon Blanc and uh, Sauvignon Blanc. As Justin <laughs> yeah. Timberlake once said in the song, "What comes around goes around," and Chase just uh, sent it back around to me. So, uh, how about you give me a little uh, countdown and? Um, <laughs> Give me a little countdown so that way I can take this down and we can uh, get your thought. I can, you know, talk on your thoughts about whatever you're going to bring up. So it's like Justin Timberlake said. Sorry to interrupt you. Cry me a river. <laughs> the damage is done, but I guess you'll be leaving. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you guess I'll be a, drinking. I guess, <laughs> I guess you'll, you'll be drinking. drinking. That's right. Let's get a five, four, three, two. One, see that drink away. Okay, see that drink away. Okay, Jelly Nelly, it's not your day today. Jane Nelly, it's not your day today. See that drink. Ah. Damn, that was really fast. Have you ever seen the Snapchats Ooh. and follow Jay Nelly and I on Snapchat? He always beats me on the shots. Like every time we do car bombs, I'll be drinking it as fast as I can be like, man, I won this time. Jay Nelly's been finished for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Okay, fine. Here's my question for you, Jay Nelly. Venom, with as powerful as he is, and the, I would say, the diversity that he brings... And no, we're not going to go into what you think I'm thinking about. That's actually, you know what? Fuck it. That's a good question. Because you know what? Uh, we bring diversity here. Do you think they're trying to make Venom uh, more open or bisexual in this film? I think the evidence is there. Because uh, there was this one part in that rave party before he even gave the speech as he was walking up. This woman like gave him a compliment and said something along the lines of like, Oh, I like your suit. You look great. And he's like, thank you so much, but I don't swing that way. And then he had that whole speech about, like, you know, uh, coming coming out and being yourself and, like, being loved for who you are. And so it's, it's very possible that, you know, maybe they are going to portray him as gay or bisexual uh, in, in future uh, works. And that's fantastic. It's definitely pushing the envelope. I think it's uh, it's an amazing, you know, way to target more audience members as well for people who may have felt excluded as like a generic superhero movie you know i think i i if it, i don't know if they are but if they are uh kudos to them man it's a it's a great way to push the envelope and i think that the evidence is there and so if it comes out and that is what is going to happen i don't think anyone can be surprised or say that they pulled it out of their ass they built it up already here so um, yeah, I don't know if that's what they're looking for, but they definitely gave themselves the opportunity for it by uh, adding that th those parts into the, the rave scene for sure. What about you? And what I, do you think? Yeah, man, I, I think it's great. Um, you know, I think it's great because it, it's it's really bringing in uh, it's bringing in a controversial subject uh, to the table that shows. You know, we need to be accepting of everybody. 
and I, I think it's fantastic and I think it's great now you even have what's now becoming a superhero in an iconic images image uh, supporting these things um, man how you feeling after that tipsy gypsy card motherfucker <laughs> I'm glad that we honestly I'm glad that we added it to the the thing because it does what it's supposed to it did disorient you it throws you off and like yeah no honestly it's a big it does a big effect on how we um, and how we answer questions and and all that because you know you're still trying to process what you just drank and then you're getting asked these questions to throw you on the spot and it's like whoa so honestly I love the addition to uh, to our show with that card and I think it's going to be a, a big player here to come between like how we how we handle debates and who's who like only the strongest survive right who can push through it and really <laughs> get their point across even with the with the tipsy gypsy card being played but yeah man I mean outside of that brother that's that's really all I have on my end for for Venom to let there be carnage and I think that's a good place to to uh, leave off for it, unless you had anything else you wanted to add no, I would just like to say once again, if y'all didn't see the State of the Union, uh, Jay Nelly designed this card, the designer man. I threw some ideas out there, and they just looked like straight shit. I put some <laughs> stick figures together, and it was good, man. <laughs> I thought the stick figures were solid, but then I saw what Jay Nelly came up with, and I was just blown away. It was really cool. You know, guys, I love anime. I think it's cool. It's got this gorgeous girl on the front, like airbending the wine, which is what we drink here because we like to stay in shape and go to the gym. Props to Jay Nelly, everyone. Once again, follow us. I'll let Jay Nelly go into that. You can follow us at Official Ridiculous Patronus on Instagram. We also do now have a fact or fantasy specific Instagram page, which is fact underscore or underscore fantasy for Instagram. Same exact thing for TikTok, fact, underscore, or underscore fantasy for Instagram and TikTok. You can find us on Twitter at RP Factor Fantasy. You can find us on Facebook at Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We also are able to be found anywhere that you get your podcast episodes. We have a fantastic host site in Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you do get your podcasts. So thank you so much for the time that you always take with us. We're changing some things up this season. We're hopeful that you enjoy the new wrinkles, the new additions, and the efficiencies that we have put in. Uh, I will say, uh, you know, cheers to next week where we cover something different. But outside of that, my friends, this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, Signing off. off. Uh...